You've tuned in to Tracy R's new program, Behind Closed Doors. Please listen to our disclaimer. This program explores all topics relating to sex work. The show is hosted by several sex worker peer hosts, and we pride ourselves on facilitating a comfortable space for sex workers to share their experiences. Behind Closed Doors aims to uncover what the sex industry is really like. We value the varied opinions and experiences of sex workers, and we also appreciate questions and curiosities from the general public. Our program, Behind Closed Doors, exists to bridge the gaps. Please be mindful that the nature of this program may not be for you and is not suited for little ease. There is also possibility of explicit language used. Hi everyone and welcome to another episode of Behind Closed Doors on 3CR 855 AM and digital. I'm one of your hosts today, I'm Dean, and with me is... Sassy C. Hi Sassy. Hi. All right, so we've had a pretty incredible couple of weeks in yeah. the news. Yes. And it's been quite tragic. It very, has. Very sad. Very sad in our sex work communities yes. and transgender communities. Mm. What's happened? Our sister, Kimberly McRae, her last has been taken. She was murdered in Sydney. Her body was found last Tuesday by the police because her sisters tried to get in touch with her and they called the police. This person was a sex worker, sex worker. a well-known sex worker in mm-hmm. the Coogee and Sydney area. Yes, correct. And... Her life, unfortunately, was taken mm. way too soon. Mm. What's happening with the investigation? Have they found this uh, a person of interest? Um, no, not not yet. But but by by closed sources told me that it could be two person who are involved in this case. Mm-hmm. I know of Kimberly's best friend. They've been friends for. 25 years. So she's actually flying to Sydney tomorrow mm-hmm. to get more closure about this incident. Yes. And she'll be back um, to Melbourne next week. And yeah, she will be contacting me and she, she probably will come on the show to have a bit more closure about Kimberly's death. Mm. Mm. I, th- I think that'd be great that we have someone who is close to Kimberly yeah. who can give us a little bit more insight as to what actually happened. And I guess. In terms of media representation, it's good that we can hear from fellow sex workers about what actually has happened versus the mainstream media, which may give us a more, a different viewpoint. And I think sometimes it cannot be an honest viewpoint. You know, this is why RUD, Red Umbrella Day, is so necessary Mm. every year because we are fighting against violence towards sex workers. Mm. And that brings up a really interesting topic that there is violence in our community mm. against us, yeah. perpetrated by clients or people that we know. Correct. It actually happens to cis female mm-hmm. sex workers. It happens to trans sex workers, yes. especially trans female sex workers. Mm-hmm. And it actually happens to male sex workers. Yeah. And it's about us all saying, look, you know, this. we've had enough of all this violence. Yeah. We've got to stand up. We have to be strong enough to report it to police. We have to end the stigma so that we are confident enough to report it to the authorities. And, and this is why, as well, we need to change the law. That's right. Mm. That's why we need to have mm. decriminalization of decriminalization. our laws so that we have authorities that we can report yeah. crimes to. We feel comfortable to report the crime to the authorities yes. when something like this happened. I, I just hope that, you know, do you think that 
we will also have some sort of vigil or yes. something like that in Melbourne? I don't know about in Melbourne, but I'm trying my very best in the transgender community as well uh, to have a vigil here because they're going to have a vigil in Sydney and Canberra. In Sydney, it's going to be Friday 24th January at 6 to 8 p.m. in Coogee. Yes. And Kimberly also has um, known as Isabel, Isabella Lawson and as Samantha and as Sabrina. So anybody who knows Kimberly McRae, Isabella Lawson, Samantha and Sabrina, please yep. be there for her. Yeah, pay yeah, her respect. Pay your respect. Yeah, and also show visibility mm. to show that, you know what, this person, this was a person. A person, somebody's daughter yeah. and somebody's friends. Yes. Yeah, so, you know... Um, it's really sad. It is really it's sad. It's really sad. It is really sad. We're not defined by our work. Mm, 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 we are all mm. human beings yes. that deserve respect. We all deserve respect. Yeah, that's it. Mm. All right. Well, coming up is an interview, a pre-recorded interview that we had with uh, politician Andy Medic of the Animal Justice Party. And we did this uh, last year in 2019 in December. Uh, so Sassy and myself were in the studio and we were having a chat just to get to know Andy and what he stands for and what his party stands for, especially in regards to sex workers. Sex workers, animal party, and also um, transgender uh, people as well because he was there at the Trans uh, Pride March planning day uh, and he's a big supporter to our our event. Fantastic. Yeah. All right. Well, this is our interview with Andy Medic. Enjoy. Hi everyone and welcome to another episode of Behind Closed Doors on 3CR 855 AM. I'm your host for today, Dean Lim, and we also have co-host Sassy Sin. Hi Sassy. Hi Dean. Hi everyone. In the studio with me is very special guest Andy Medic from the Animal Justice Party. Hi Andy and welcome to Behind Closed Doors. Thank you very much. Hi Dean. Hi Sassy. For our listeners who may or may not know about you, and I think that uh, 3CR listeners will definitely know who you are, could you tell us a little bit about the Animal Justice Party and how you came to be involved in it? Sure. So the, the AJP was formed in 2009 in New South Wales um, by Professor Stephen Garlick and a few others. And Steve had had uh, an association over a number of years with Animal Lib New South Wales and saw the need for protection of animals to be taken into the political sphere because that really is where the be-all and end-all is. It's in a legislative process laws enacted to protect animals. So then in 2012, early 2012, the party had another formation which was here in Victoria, the Victorian branch. My wife April and I were at those first meetings and were some two of the founding members of the AJP back then. Uh, ran our first election uh, in 2013 federally. We had a candidate in most states, single candidate for the Senate, unsuccessful. And then from there, progressively, we've run in various state elections and federal elections right across Australia. The party's grown somewhat exponentially. We had our first elected member in New South Wales, Mark Pearson. I followed on from him there here in Victoria in 2018 at the the state election that we had. Earlier this year, we had uh, Emma Hurst elected in New South Wales at their recent state election as well. So we now have three members, one in Victoria and two in New South Wales, and hoping to increase those as, as we go. We're hoping for, we came very close in South Australia, actually, at the last federal election to getting a senator, which would have been marvellous because there are a number of uh, laws that are federal uh, versus state that, that need repealing or changing in some way or another 
to protect the rights of animals. Your focus, I guess, for the party is animal rights. Mm. And, you know, we've, we've seen that you're, you're an active campaigner, which is fantastic. Mm. What's happening at the moment? Anything you can tell us that you're, you're actively campaigning for? Plenty. There's always plenty. Uh, look, so this year, for instance, we've covered off and I've just come from a meeting with people talking about the Barmer Brumbies. We're also talking about wombats, put forward some questions and we've been meeting with the Environment Minister, Lily D'Ambrosio, on wombats and, and the strange situation that we have in Victoria where they're, they're not covered uh, as a protected species because in 163 parishes, we, and this is the thing, we, we most people would associate Victoria as having councils. We do have those, but we also have this hangover from the 1800s called parishes. And in those parishes, wombats are not protected species, so people can just shoot them without having to have an authority to cull wildlife, for instance. That's crazy. It, it is ridiculous. And as a result, wombats are in a very precarious position um, because they're also being affected by mange, uh, which is seeing a lot of them die off. And, and it's what actually prevents a lot of treatment is that this this ridiculous situation is occurring so we're talking with those people and we're talking with the environment minister about getting that that changed and then bringing in complete protection for them much like we have for other wildlife Mm. we were also um, in the final week of parliament uh, i brought a motion successfully to look into the illegal trade of fur in victoria in that there's a lot of products that are coming in from overseas that are mislabeled and they say they're faux fur so people who legitimately have a concern that you know of animal welfare because the fur trade is absolutely horrendous Mm. um, want to make their consumer choice to not support that but so they go and buy things that state that they're faux fur and it's turned out from we, we went and we had a, um, a joint investigation with Four Paws Australia and discovered that a lot of these products, we purchased some and sent them for testing and we found that in 100% of the cases they were either raccoon or raccoon dog. Uh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. that, that is, Oh, my gosh. I feel sick. Yeah. So we, we successfully brought a motion um, to instigate a task force to see just how widespread this is in Victoria and to investigate whether a Victoria should lead the country then in banning the, or the sale of all new fur products. Because that's a federal, it's a federal legisla- uh, piece of legislation about the importation and sale of fur. Well, not so much the sale, but the importation. We can't stop people importing them to Victoria because that is federal. But we may well be able to ban the sale of new fur in Victoria because uh, if it's as widespread as, as I believe, then the task force will show, then it is almost impossible to stop that importation. So therefore, if we stop the sale of those products, then you know we, we at least in Victoria have led the country in, and set the standard, the gold standard for where we should be moving to in this. It sounds like Victoria is, mm. as you were saying, in your words, setting the gold standard in that we are having a lot of uh, parliamentarians stand up mm. for different causes to say, look, you know, let, let's investigate this, let's mm. have an inquiry, let's review, which is terrific. Mm. Uh, what are what are other causes? Well, we continue to push for the ban on recreational duck shooting in Victoria. Mm. And, and, and this is not a, a recent fight. Um, this is a 36-year-plus fight that's been led by the people like, uh, that have uh, been at the forefront for years. People like, like Laurie Levy from Coalition Against Duck Shooting is probably the most high-profile of those campaigners. But there are others that have 
uh, still with us, um, still pushing that as well. And uh, one that's one of those is Kerry Allen from Regional Victorians Against Duck Shooting has been very active in that space. And we continue to push it. I brought this year, um, I, I brought a bill to Parliament um, to amend the Wildlife Act 1975, which was um, debated and then adjourned off. And even, uh, and, and also brought a motion uh, asking for the government to ban the season next year, because between now and the start of February is when the decision has to be made. Uh, and we feel that there's ample reason to not have a season, first of all, and second, to, to ban it outright. Um, so we, we've put the ball firmly back in, in the Labor government's court. One of the things that is promising on that horizon is the fact that uh, Lizzie Blanthorne um, brought a, a, an urgency motion to the State Labor Conference um, calling for a review into the government's policy setting because they, they, they won't necessarily just ban it. They can, but they won't necessarily because it's actually policy at the moment for them to have a, a recreational duck shooting season declared so it's gazetted each year depending on environmental circumstances breeding numbers etc so that's their policy setting so then the other way is to get the policy setting changed and that's what lizzie brought an urgency motion to their conference which was overwhelmingly supported and from the point of view that it is actually against the labor party's own animal welfare action plan so you know it's completely at odds with that so the review we wait to see that undertaken and the results of that and we're extremely hopeful that the right result will, will come from that and that we will see an, an end to duck shooting in Victoria. Yeah, brilliant. Well, well done. I really hope that you guys can gain traction on that. Yeah. yeah. Because I've, I've seen that over the last 30-odd years as well. Mm. Every duck season, mm-hmm. you see all these horrific things happen and the ducks and the animals, and just you just think, why do people do that? Oh, absolutely. And, and 10 to 15 years ago, there were over 100,000 registered shooters in Victoria. Today there are less than 25,000. Less than half of those are actually hunters. The rest are clay target shooters, sporting shooters, we would call them. Of those, on their opening weekend this season, this year, which is like their Christmas Day, if you like, around about 1,200 or less actually fronted up for their opening day, their opening weekend. So it just goes to show you that even amongst shooters, it's not popular anymore. Mm. It's not popular with the public I mean, most Victorians would consider this as something that was stopped years ago. You know, it's it's such a minority of people in the state that actually do this. Every other state that has banned it, at the moment, it's only Victoria and South Australia that continue. Every other state that banned it, banned it under Labor premiers. Ah, okay, so things can happen. They can. Great. I mean, I'm thinking, also talking about, you know, popular culture and changes in, in people's mindsets. Mm. Sassy and myself, we actually, you know, got to see... Um, or bumped into Andy on Fashions on the Field, which was at the Melbourne Cup day mm. in November. And what that was was an alternative Melbourne Cup. Mm. And Sassy, you know, you were a guest judge there, and it was a really fun event of people protesting, but in a really cool way, mm. to say, look, there is there is an alternative to Melbourne Cup where we can have a very family-friendly, a very community-friendly event. People have fashion, people have, you know, nibblies, people can drink, so very similar to what Melbourne Cup does, mm. but to say, look, we don't support horse racing. Absolutely. And Absolutely. and hopefully that will change. I mean, what do you think, Sassy? Do you think we will ever get a day where hopefully Melbourne Cup would change? Oh, definitely. I can see it coming because the population of the protester at the event is getting bigger every year. So you can see the difference there. I'm one of them who actually acknowledge it only this year because I've been blindsided with with 
fashion and, you know, horse racing throughout the years. I'm guilty as charged for this year. I thought I was aware with what's happening behind the scene with all the horses that has been killed and, you know, been harmed. So, yeah, I can see it coming. I think I, I think we need a few more years, yes. I guess. It certainly is a big ask, Sassy. It, it, it's a... A, a very big industry, and it's it has a lot of a lot of money behind it, and a lot of government support as well. You know, it's heavily subsidised, so it's a very difficult thing to get changed. One of the things that we see that we we might be able to have some success in the racing industry is to actually get rid of jumps racing. Yeah, right, because that that's one where you know, so many horses die on the track each year. And uh-huh. and and it again, it's poorly supported. Even amongst flat track racegoers and flat track breeders, they will say that they don't really like jumps. Um, and really, all of the jumps carnivals that are around Victoria are not well supported. And the only one that is actually well supported in in spectator numbers is is Warnable, the Warnable Carnival. And then because it's a public holiday that they have for Warnable, and it's really a party for them. Like this year, for instance, Melbourne Cup, uh, Caulfield Cup, the Cox Plate, the Geelong Cup, the, the, the big lead-up races, if you like. All of those had lower spectator numbers than they've had for many, many years. They've had a lower amount of betting. And in Geelong Cup, for instance, I spoke to, to three bookies uh-huh. in the ring who said their take was down by almost 50%. So mm. people are having a, a public holiday. They're dressing up and they're going for the party. They're not going for the animal cruelty. That's a great example mm. that things are slowly changing. It will take time. Absolutely. But it is, uh-huh. I, I think it's a cultural mindset. We have to change and, and it's slowly changing, which is great. Mm. All right, you've been listening to Behind Closed Doors on 3CR 855 AM and Digital. I'm Dean. We've got Sassy and we've got our special guest, Andy Menick, in the studio. Let's have a short announcement and we will be right back. Tune in to the station that gives voices to sex workers. Subscribe to 3CR. Welcome back to Behind Closed Doors on 3CR 855 AM. I'm Dean and in the studio I've got Sassy and... Antimedic MP talking about the Animal Justice Party and his thoughts on animal cruelty. Being in Victoria, we are really seen as a very progressive state in terms mm. of our politics, in terms of our openness to people who are different, different cultures, all sorts of things. I'm going to ask you a personal question, Andy. Sure. You have a child who is trans, mm-hmm. and recently people were able to change the gender legally, which mm-hmm. is great. On a certificate, yes. Mm. How do you feel about having a trans child? Has that affected your politics as well and how you would see policy? Oh, absolutely. It opens your eyes to to a a completely different world. And certainly we have another child as well. We have a a son who's who's a gay man. And so we had always been open to the facts that, you know, there there are different cultural pressures that face people who don't you know ad- adhere to the you know the standard binary function or that that society operates on and prejudices that come with that had to fight those over the years when our youngest eden um, came to us and, and and said that you know that he was trans and and it was something with, that sort of well okay well this is not an area that we had as parents that we'd normally dealt with but so then we embarked on an educational journey as well and I learned uh, so much more about 
you know, the prejudices that face that community as well within the LGBTIQ community, the, the complex relationships that go on and the pressures and the prejudices they face from the outside. And that was why when the birth certificate reform came up, to me it was the most common sense thing that could be done. You know, I, I've met with so many trans people where this is a real problem, you know, in, in not being able to be represented on other legal documents as as who you are is is a terrible, terrible situation. Not being able to get a driver's licence or a passport as, as who you are and then having to, you know, to, to, to out yourself to people in those situations every single time. Mm. To be worried about going to your local doctor and, having, and being exposed in the community when perhaps you're not ready to have that, for instance. You know, it's... It's a really big deal for members of the trans community to have that available to them. Absolutely. And and I don't think people in the broader community understand just exactly what that meant. Mm. Yeah. Sassy, do you have any questions for Andy? Uh, Yeah. Um, And, you know, I'm I'm, I'm a trans person as well. So this is really a big deal for for us and and with your support. And, yeah, it's, it's, it's going into the right direction. But um, as given a party um, is the animal justice party, what is your party's position on trans people? Right, so we don't actually have a policy per se or, or a statement and position, but we have four key values. And one of those is compassion. And that uh-huh. overrides everything. Where we don't have a policy, we, we must apply... That's the number one value that we have is compassion. So we apply that rule to absolutely every single other issue and we take the compassionate line. And for me, even if I hadn't, didn't have a trans child, if that wasn't the situation that I was in, I would yeah. most definitely still have voted in favour of the birth certificate reform because that, that overriding value would have been brought into play. Mm. Mm, that, that's great. That's music to my ears. <laughs> <laughs> Mine too. I think every party should have compassionate, mm. a, a mm. compassionate policy or something like that. Mm. Just, I agree. Yeah, being a decent human being wouldn't wouldn't that be nice? Well, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Not let alone a, pol- a decent politician. <laughs> yeah. Well, you, you could argue it, that, that that flies in the face of of, of some. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. With the recent announcement that the Victorian government are launching an inquiry into sex work law reform, mm. how will the Animal Justice Party be involved with that? Where, well, where does your party stand on that? Okay, well, again, compassion comes into play. See, my understanding in all of this is that, and so here's my view, and, and I believe this will be reflected in that, in, from that value, is that this is reform that is long overdue. To be able to have um, a scenario where people can work in the sex industry with, with, with impunity, as it were, if you're working within a licensed premises, and to have complaints dealt with in, in a way of professionalism by, by police, like, you know, so serious assault thing and, and those sorts of things, uh, and sexual assault and taken seriously by police just because you're working within those four walls. But when you step outside those four walls, to be still engaged in something, in, in, a, in a line of work that is essentially then against the law because you're not within a licensed premises. That, to me, is incongruous with a basic human right. We're alienating a group of people because the, the type of workspace doesn't suit them. So that's no argument to say then you are outside the law. 
So sex work law reform must happen so that these people, self-employed, have the same protections under law that anybody else does and that their complaints in cases of sexual assault, for instance, are taken seriously by police. And the other problem that you have there, if you're a sex worker and working outside of the standard licensed premises and you are sexually assaulted, just by going to the police, you run the risk of being charged. And that is just completely ludicrous. So this reform, so the review, first of all, is long overdue, but I would argue let's get straight to the end of that and say let's reform the law. It needs to happen. Mm. And I'm so pleased that Fiona Patton is, is on that committee and that that's, what will, that that's what will happen. This review will undertake a rigorous process because that's what all the parliamentary committee reviews are for. And, but I'm, I'm confident that the right outcome will come about. Mm, that's great. It's great to know that you know yourself and the Animal Justice Party will be supporting a reform. That's really exciting. I think it's long overdue mm. um, because the last review was officially done in 1985. Mm. So that's a bit. <laughs> that's probably before Sassy was even born. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it was a, a while back. A while back. Yeah. Yeah. And what what do you think, Sassy? Do you think you know that we will get Decent law reform, decent decriminalisation. Um, I believe in fake. You know, you wake up the other day knowing that Northern Territory didn't go through, and then the mm. next week you went through. So, if that could happen to Northern Territory, it could happen to us too. Yes, here in Victoria. Yeah, really good point. That's a really good point. Mm. Mm. It's it's you know the process has begun. Then we just yeah. have to be involved, and I think it's uh-huh. it's a great chance for all of us, especially people who work as sex workers, to be involved. And on behind closed doors, we will be talking about it. Yeah, we will be closely monitoring the situation. Mm. We'll be giving people uh-huh. updates. Yeah. of what's happening. I'm going to have a very close look at the terms of reference that the, this inquiry will, will will undertake, and because that's the key. And I do expect that there will be some opposition. This committee work is often not without some sort of controversy. And there are always polarised views in the community. However, that being said, I firmly believe that you're right in the statement that you said earlier, Dean, that this is a progressive state. I believe that not just from a political point of view, I think from a social point of view, a societal point of view, we are a progressive state. And Uh I believe that the majority of the population will see this also as common sense law reform and that they'll get behind it. They'll be the naysayers. They'll be, and they'll come from you know the the usual suspects. It's just a storm that needs to be weathered, and I think the right result will occur. So the next twelve months is going to be pretty eventful for all of us. Mm. What would you like if you have a, a wish? What would you like to see happen? Oh, that's a big question. I'd like to see, from uh, an animal protection point of view, clearly, I'd like to see duck shooting banned. I'd like to see protection for, for wombats. I'd like to see greater protection for our, our native kangaroos. I think this decision to have a kangaroo pet food industry was flawed. The review that was held through from the trial came back and was absolutely damning of, of what uh, that industry would look like and how the shooters operate already. So I think moving to an industry is a really bad move, and I'd like to see that decision repealed. I'll continue to fight to ban 1080 poison in Victoria. There's a whole host of issues around animals directly, and then what might be termed as indirectly, I want to see Victoria begin to implement and have a a system in place to assist farmers 
trying to transition out of some of the animal agriculture industries based upon the IPCC report that of, of just last year. We're saying that, you know, because we are in a climate emergency, animal ag is one of the biggest users of resources and landmass and is one of the biggest in terms of habitat loss for endangered species. What we'd like to see is government assistance, monetary assistance to help them transition. The IPCC says 20% reduction in animal agriculture. So we don't want to see farmers taken from the land. We want to help them transition to a sustainable type of farming. And that means a greater reliance on on plant-based agriculture rather than the other way around. Um, So that's one thing there. But I'd also like to see a greater investment, and and this will come on the back of um, the the mental health review that's just come back. Uh, I'd like to see greater investment in mental health services right across the state, and in particular in rural areas, because farming communities, um, in particular the older generation of farmers, are very much from that generation of, you know, the stiff upper lip will just carry on. You don't talk about your feelings, you don't worry about the things that are, are hurting you inside, you just lock all those in. And that's not healthy. And as a result, we end up with a very high suicide rate. Um, and, and I think that can change. I think greater investment needs to happen in regional hospitals to give them access to mental health services. So that's one of the things I'd like to see in that area too. Um, but, yeah, I mean, look, we could go on for hours, really. No, <laughs> it sounds like your, your party will be around for a long time because there are so many issues. Thank you for being on Behind Closed Doors on 3CR. No worries. Thank you. And thank you, Sassy. Thank you, Andy. That was a great chat that we had with MP Andy Medic. Thanks for being in the studio with me, Sassy. No, no problem. Happy to, to be here all the time. Join us again next Thursday, 6 p.m. on Behind Closed Doors, 3CR 855 AM and digital. This song is Dogs Are the Best People by The Foves. Yeah.